well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards, and I am so glad you've joined us on the program today. Coming up in a matter of moments, we're going to be speaking to one of my colleagues, uh, Mr. John Petrolino, uh, another writer at Bearing Arms, who had a really interesting story on uh, Friday. In fact, so interesting that I I wanted to highlight it today, but I also wanted to talk with John about this. You know, uh, we've got the Supreme Court uh, considering a challenge to New York's may issue concealed carry laws. Well, New York is one of a handful of states around the country that still has this type of discretionary issue when it comes to the uh, uh, concealed carry licenses or uh, permits that are handed out to those hoping to exercise their right to keep and bear arms. The state of California, another one of those may issue jurisdictions. uh, And in one California town, the police chief is requiring all applicants to undergo a psychological evaluation. That's right, a mandatory psychological evaluation. Uh, only uh, two psychologists allowed to examine applicants. So you can't even go to your family doctor. You've got to use a doctor that the uh, police department says you have to use. You've got to pay 150 bucks for the privilege of trying to show that you are not crazy uh, and can exercise your right to keep and bear arms. And of course, the police chief can deny you for any reason or no reason whatsoever. As it turns out, this may not be the only, we might not be looking at just one town in California with this policy. Uh, And by the way, virtually every community in California is able to do this under state law, which is one of the big reasons why these may issue laws are being challenged around the country. Uh, Anyway, with that as the backdrop, let's uh, talk to our friend John Petrolino from Bearing Arms about uh, his discovery of this California town and uh, the prospects perhaps of a court challenge. Take a look and listen. Hey, John, appreciate you joining the show today, sir. Oh, thank you for having me, Cam. It's a pleasure to be with you. Absolutely. Well, listen, I got to tell you, I mean, after reading this story on Friday, I, I wanted A, to to follow up because I think this is a, a really important story. But uh, I just had some questions uh, myself, quite frankly, because this is so bizarre. I mean, under we all know that, that California's May issue system allows chiefs and sheriffs, really broad discretion in terms of who gets a carry permit and who doesn't. Um, but I don't think that most people are aware that that these issuing authorities have the ability to require psychiatric evaluations or psychological evaluations uh, for anybody applying for a, uh, for a gun permit. Yeah, so when you go for your CCW, and that's what this is specifically for, it, it is in the California statute that the issuing of the authorities have the discretion to require this. And, uh, this, this one jurisdiction has decided that they want to do it for every single original applicant, which, um, you know, I think is rather egregious. Well, yeah, I do too. I mean, uh, and, you know, since your story came out, I've heard from uh, several folks on Twitter saying, uh, Marietta, California is not the only jurisdiction that does this. Uh, they had pointed to uh, language, I think, of the Marin County Sheriff's website, the San Francisco County Sheriff's website. But but I looked at those uh, Sheriff's Department websites and they don't say that this is mandatory. They say that they may require uh, an evaluation, but I haven't seen an indication that that they do require every applicant. Uh, to undergo an evaluation. And that is the case in, in Murrieta, right? There's no way to avoid this. Right. So they would have to go to the uh, to the actual county 
level if they wanted to get around that because the as you know it's the sheriffs that issue out these permits well the local municipalities also have the ability to issue issue these out if they wish to and they decided that they were going to go forward with it and their requirements are more stringent than the county level so there's a couple other towns in that county that also kind of follow this rubric but um Again, it's every single applicant. Now, I've heard just like you the same thing. There's other areas and jurisdictions that people, well, this is the California law and they're, they're allowed to do this. This is no big deal. And like, it kind of is a big deal. <laughs> well, it is kind of a big deal. I mean, first of all, you're, you know, there's a financial cost to this, right? So you're having to fork over, I think it's an extra $150. Um, and what I thought was really interesting is the, the police chief in Marietta, Basically says you you're only allowed to use one of two psychologists, right? So let let's let's say that uh, maybe you're in therapy, maybe you're uh, getting counseling. Um, your psychologist is not allowed to do this evaluation. You've got to go to one of the two uh, psychologists that are I don't want to say on the payroll of the uh, the police chief, but but they're 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 the they're the go tos for the police department. Correct. And that's how that and it's weird because that's how the California law is written that it must be one of the department's psych, you know, uh, people, one of their clinicians. And it has to be a psychiatrist. It can't just be family therapist or anything like that. So these are people that work closely with the police department. And if you look at the statute that it's greatly flawed, because as you point out, what if there is somebody that is undergoing treatment and, you know, their clinician says, no, this guy is good. You know, there's nothing wrong here. He's under treatment and, you know, there's nothing to be worried about. And then if they go ahead and take this multiple choice, true, false test, which I think is like four or 500 questions, something like that, um, that they pump into a computer and the computer's supposed to give uh, some sort of an answer. Uh, there's a lot of issues with this because the clinician has to sit down, look at the data, come up with an opinion. And I talked to a clinician prior to releasing the article, and I also spoke to a psychiatrist after the article came out. And both of them said the same thing. You're looking at a process that takes about three hours, maybe more. So this is psychiatric evaluation coming in at $50 an hour. That's the rate that it comes to. So what kind of level of attention is somebody really getting at $50 an hour from the mental health, um, you know, industry? Nonetheless, if this is a department connection, who's to stop? And I'm not suggesting at all that this is what's going on there in Marietta, but there's nothing to stop the sidebar conversation from being we're not going to make any of these people pass this exam, just so you know, you know, and then, right. <laughs> so, well, I mean, it's, I mean, it does raise the question of, so, so what, what are the disqualifiers? Uh, let, let's say you take this, you know, three hour test and it comes back and says, well, you know, Cam's suffering from mild depression. Uh, is that enough for the police chief to say, yeah, no, sorry, Cam, you can't get a gun and, or you can't get a, excuse me, you can't get a carry permit. Right. Uh, because the other aspect of this, John, is, you know, California has a red flag law. So so what happens if you've got a legal gun owner 
who applies for their carry permit, they take this psychiatric evaluation. It comes back and says, well, you know, Cam's uh, got mild depression. Is the police chief going to use that to apply for an extreme risk protection order and say, look, Cam's got mild depression. His psychiatric test confirmed it. We don't think he should own a gun now. So we're going to use the results of this psychiatric test and we're going to now file an ERPO and we're going to take his guns. Right. So there's the, the possibilities are endless. And to your point, I, I asked, I mean, I wrote to Tony Conrad, the chief of police over there, as you know, and I wrote pretty specific questions revolving around the constitutionality, not just the statute, but do you think that this is constitutional given what opinion we have through Heller? Because this is an interest balance test. This is, you know, working off of opinion. And I want to know the actual disqualifiers. Can you list to me what are the conditions that is a, a go or a no-go for somebody to get their carry permit? So that was one of the questions. And then, you know, the other question was about this being akin to a poll tax because you're paying even more money on top of all of your, you know, you know, fees. Is this not a, a poll tax? Um, so what did the chief do? I mean, I was very happy he did write me back and he pointed me towards his webpage, which is also pretty suspect because well, he did ignore all of the questions about the constitutionality of this, and he did ignore me asking for a list of specific disorders or personalities or however you want to say it that would be disqualified. So he points me to this FAQ webpage. Well, when I was doing my research on this, those webpages did not exist. <laughs> and <laughs> this morning, just for my own due diligence for this conversation, I went and double-checked everything, and the Internet Archives, the Wayback Machine, shows that these web pages, the one was created on August 26th, and the other one was updated on August 26th. So he directed me to this information that's out on the Internet only after he replied to my email. You know, So that information wasn't available to the public at large. So yeah. um, it, it is now the Wayback Machine shows it. The history is there if people want to look at that. Um, and of course, you, you go through that information and nothing in there specifically points to these are the disqualifiers. It just says certain personalities that the chief of police would not want to have um, a carry permit. Well, I want to know those personalities and I want to know what level of um, training he got in the mental health world to be able to say, you know, yeah, this person's good and this person isn't good. Is somebody that's got obsessive compulsive disorder uh, okay versus somebody that has a, a long history of a conduct disorder and sociopathic behaviors? Now, what, what are we talking about here? Right. No, absolutely. Now, have you spoken to anybody? Do you think that because we've obviously seen challenges to uh, to California's uh, May issue law. We had the Peruta case, of course, where the uh, Ninth Circuit said, ah, you know, concealed carry, that's not protected by the Second Amendment. Then we have the young case out of Hawaii where the Ninth Circuit said, ah, open carry, that's not protected by the Second Amendment either. So, you know, the, the Supreme Court's hearing a uh, challenge to New York's May issue laws. 
Uh, Young versus Hawaii is now back before the Supreme Court. They're going to consider that in conference this fall. But have you heard anybody talk about a, a specific challenge to California's May issue laws relating solely to this or, or at least encompassing uh, this requirement or, 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 or this allowance uh, for a mandatory psychiatric evaluation? Uh, I don't know anything for certain. I do know that there's a lot of very uh, engaged groups in California. So the Riverside County gun owners, I know that they're um, working very hard to try to rectify all of these issues. And it's the same thing with San Diego County gun owners. That's the that's the group that brought the San Diego County Sheriff to see the value in actually issuing permits. So th those groups are doing tremendous work over there in California. And if you were to look back to uh, what was it, the Peruta case going way back to a number of years ago, that was a carry case out of San Diego, which got shot down. Um, that sheriff is now actually issuing permits to people in San Diego County. So there are groups that are doing the work. Like I said, San Diego County gun owners, Riverside County gun owners, they're all doing tremendous work. But I haven't heard anything specific from one group saying, you know, we definitely need to target this statute. I My feeling is, yes, the this, this statute needs to be targeted and looked at, as, especially on its face, that this needs to go to a clinician that's basically under the thumb of the, um, the issuing authority that they work together. And I don't know if they were trying to, when they wrote that statute, if it was something that was supposed to be, well, hey, this is the same that our police get and stuff like that. No, 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 no. If you guys are working together, to me, that's a problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, anyway, it was a it was a fantastic story. I look forward to uh, seeing any follow ups that you're able to come up with. Uh, and in the meantime, hopefully uh, the Supreme Court, hopefully the Supreme Court is going to address the uh, the May issue uh, carry permits uh, in the eight states where they are still in place, and that would resolve the problem. I mean, if we go shall issue, uh, all of this nonsense goes away. Well, it's it's but the who's to say a place like so? Look at the the problem, children. So California for sure. New Jersey, obviously, um, who's to say that? Well, this is shall issue, but you shall pass this psychiatric <laughs> exam. And now we are going to reset the clock and turn the timer upside down again. And let's watch the sand and litigate for another five to 10 years to get to where we are. Um, they're, you know, they're regulating us in the way of ammunition. They're regulating us in so many other ways. Says, oh, we're not messing with the second amendment you know you can still have your guns but they're just putting up more hoops and some of them happen to be flaming hoops that we need to jump through absolutely well listen john again i appreciate you coming on the program sir it is great having you on the show today great having you right in at bearingarms.com uh where can folks find you online uh obviously at bearingarms.com slash author slash john dash petrolino um also my website john petrolino.com you can Find me there. There's a way to reach out to me if you're so inclined to chat. And, and news tips, of course. I'm always happy to take news tips from people. Uh, and uh, you can find me there. And then also I do do work, as you know, at Amoland. So Amoland.com slash author slash J Petrolino III. So, but if you go to JohnPetrolino.com, that kind of is the, the clearinghouse for everything that I'm working on. 
Awesome. All right, John, thanks so much, man. Look forward to talking to you again very soon. Thank you very much, Tim. It was a pleasure to be with you today. Appreciate John joining us, and uh, we will be keeping our eyes out for uh, any more communities in California that have a similar requirement in place. Again, the mandatory psych evaluations for those hoping to exercise a constitutional right certainly seems like something that would be uh, challengeable, even in the uh, crazy Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, but uh, we'll keep our eyes out for any updates as they might become available. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story. Our good deed of the day in our recidivist report. We'll start there with a story out of Urbana, Illinois, where a 17-year-old has gotten five years in prison for his third gun-related conviction. Yeah, 17 years old and already his third gun-related conviction. Uh, This from the News Gazette. They say that uh, 17-year-old Simeon Smith, who was prosecuted most recently as an adult on shooting-related charges, has been sentenced to five years in prison. He pleaded guilty on Friday. Uh, before Judge Roger Weber to possession of a firearm without a firearm owner's identification card. He admitted back on uh, February 23rd he had a 9mm handgun on him when police found him to talk about a shooting that had happened the day before in Urbana. More serious charges alleging that he fired into a car with two men inside were dismissed and Smith was allowed to plead guilty to the nonviolent possessory offense of having a farm without a FOID card. The state also agreed not to revoke his probation. In another case of weapons possession from last year, he was also on probation for a 2019 juvenile adjudication for mob action stemming from a brawl in February of 2019 at Urbana High School. That same year, he was convicted of unlawful use of weapons as a juvenile. He was given credit on his sentence for 186 days already served. He was ordered to a 459 millimeter firearm that he had to Urbana police. And again, I'm not sure why the police would, uh, prosecutor in this case, not the police, I'm not sure why prosecutors would give this gentleman a plea bargain. I know that there's the guarantee of some uh, time behind bars, but given this is the 17-year-old's third weapons offense, might be time to actually charge him for the violent crime as opposed to uh, allowing him to plead guilty to the nonviolent possessory offense of having a firearm without a FOID card. Uh, today's armed citizen story from May Issue, Maryland, where a uh, intruder shot and killed by a homeowner in California, Maryland. Yes, there is a town called California, Maryland. It's in St. Mary's County. Uh, and this happened over the weekend. A, a 23-year-old man from Lexington Park, Maryland, shot and killed the sheriff's office investigated the incident as a burglary slash home invasion. Uh, uh, this happened uh, Friday night about 1130. Fire and rescue personnel responded to the scene and advised that the victim was an adult male with uh, multiple gunshot wounds to the upper body. When sheriff's officers got to the scene, they found the suspect inside of a residence. They confirmed that he had multiple gunshot wounds. He was reportedly shot by a homeowner when the suspect entered the residence, which was occupied by three people. Uh, one occupant reportedly rendered medical aid to the suspect, a tourniquet applied by officers before uh, fire and rescue personnel arrived. Uh, again, police are continuing to investigate, but right now this does appear to be a case of self-defense in Maryland. We'll keep our eyes open for any details uh, as they might emerge, and we'll bring them to you when that happens. Finally today, our good deed of the day, a Michigan State trooper in the right place at the right time, will unable to do the right thing to save two men from burning vehicles after a three-car crash, WZZM, in uh, Lansing. Reporting this, the uh, crash happened Wednesday night. The uh, trooper 
came across the uh, three-vehicle crash. Police say he acted without hesitation to save the other two drivers, or two of the uh, three drivers. One of the uh, drivers in a Ford F-150 that was engulfed in flames by the time the officer got on the scene. Trooper was able to save the uh, 22-year-old driver. Uh, He was taken to a local hospital. As additional troopers arrived, the fire spread to another vehicle. That driver was also pinned inside. Uh, The officers able to slow the spread of the flames, able to rescue the 25-year-old man who was driving. He, too, taken to a local hospital. The uh, driver of the third involved vehicle, a 19-year-old man, also went to the hospital, but uh, thankfully did not have to be uh, extricated from a burning vehicle. Colonel Joe uh, Gasper, the director of the Michigan State Police, said from the first trooper to arrive on scene whose heroic actions are to be commended to all the subsequent officers who worked uh, cooperatively together to save lives in this very serious crash scene, I could not be more proud of the courage and bravery on display. I have no doubt, he says, that if you asked any of these officers about the incident, they would simply say that this act of service and selflessness was merely part of their job. I, for one, he went on to say, am thankful that they were there last night. That first officer on the scene, by the way, did sustain uh, minor injuries, some minor burns, smoke inhalation. Second trooper also treated for smoke inhalation. Uh, But again, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to save lives. Wish we knew the uh, troopers' names, but uh, in the meantime, we can certainly thank them for their very good deed. And that is about all the time we've got for you on this edition of Barry and Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, don't forget to check out barryandarms.com throughout the day for even more Second Amendment news and information you need to know about. If you like what you see, you can also become a VIP member of Barry and Arms. Just go to barryandarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNS. And you can get 25% off of your VIP membership. We will give you, in exchange, exclusive analysis, news stories, and much more. And uh, we really do appreciate your support. It allows us to do things like bring you this program each and every day. So thank you very much uh, for all of your help. We'll see you back here tomorrow with another edition of Bearing Arms Cam & Company. But in the meantime, well, be safe and be free.